Hey guys, welcome into Set Me Free. I am your host, Shane Brucher. Um, we are beginning a brand new study here in the book of 2 Corinthians, and we will journey through chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Um, God's Word is so amazing. God's Word is is holy word um, that is beautiful and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in the way of righteousness. Um, so I want to encourage you to begin to read and study God's Word. Find what God has for you. Um, it's a beautiful adventure that God has laid out for each and every one of us. And so I want to say first and foremost, thank you for tuning in, letting me be your voice of encouragement, and bring you God's Holy Word. So before we begin our study in 2 Corinthians, I want to give a little bit of history on the book of 2 Corinthians here. Um, it was believed that the, the book was written right around um, 55, 56 AD-ish, so approximately about 15 years or so, give or take a couple years, um, after the church of Corinth was planted by Paul. Paul had started the church of Corinth. Um, and this is believed to be the fourth letter that Paul has written to this church. Um, and also one more thing, uh, of course, the book was written by Paul, Apostle Paul from Macedonia. Um, and this book here was written before the book of Romans. So the New Testament is not in order. Um, it's key to know that. Um, because if you truly want to read it in order, you have to know the order it was written in. So Romans was actually written after 2 Corinthians. Um, but this is probably one of my favorite books in the New Testament. I love the theological um, uh, just message of, of Christ throughout this book. I love Paul um, talking about suffering and and we're going to get to experience some real raw things about the early church. And, um, you know, Paul used letters as a form of instruction, um, correction, um, teaching. Letters were, were how that was done, a big part of it, because Paul had trouble traveling. Um, he faced a lot of persecution um, and opposition in doing God's work. So make no mistake about it, we're going to learn a really valuable lesson here from the book of 2 Corinthians pretty early on. Um, and it's a theme that kind of sticks throughout the entire book, but I really want to highlight it. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother Timothy, I am writing to God's church in Corinth and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled... We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. 
Verse six, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Verse seven, we are confident that as you share in our suffering, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. So I want to stop. I want to pause right there. Verse 7. It's very, just basically through those four past verses, we see interchangeably the word suffering and comfort found in the same exact sentences over and over and over and over. Guys, this is something we we have to pay attention to. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but in the in the in this book, 2 Corinthians, we're gonna see people thought because Paul was experiencing so much suffering in his life that he did not belong to Christ. But we're going to see just the opposite of that. We're going to see that sufferings are actually what produce God's comfort in our lives. So therefore, we will comfort other people. So compassion is going to be developed in our lives through suffering. Um, So make no mistake about it. Don't relate blessing in order to serving God, but rather instead relate suffering as a relationship with the Lord. He is going to bring suffering into your life as a form of undoing the sin that is in your heart. Guys, so don't run from suffering, but what suffering has to do is become a way of life for the believer, if you want to mature, if you want to grow in grace and knowledge and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will grow in that suffering. So don't run from it. Don't try to remove it, but rather embrace it, accept it, and allow that suffering to, to become comfort as God is in the midst of it. Verse number eight, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure it, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. So right there, we see a a very applicable truth right here from God's word. It says, you know, Paul talked about the experience the the troubles and struggles and persecution that they faced in Asia and they were crushed beyond their ability to go through it and through that experience in fact he said we learned to stop relying on ourselves and to start relying on God so i don't know about you in your life i think i learned a lot of uh, what I needed to learn in my own life by going through uh, addiction, um, you know, a number of things. But addiction was a main source of suffering that was in my life, and it was all self-induced. I self-chose it and and lived a life of addiction, you know, right around, I don't know, 14, 15 years or so. But that brought with it a lot of trouble, um, you know. So Christ saved me from that. Thank you, Lord. And, um, you know, suffering... It teaches us to rely on God. So guys, get the message here in 2 Corinthians. It's coming out early and it's coming on strong. Be careful. I want to say this really, 
really quickly. Be careful that you don't relate um, material things, having material things as being blessed by God. Because that is Satan's great deception. Do not fall into that. Although God will bless his children, but he does it for the sake of helping other people. So be mindful of those things. Verse 11, and you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Verse 12, we can say with confidence and with a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all of our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially towards you. So Paul gives a, a basically a huge defensive statement here. He's, he's uh, you know, showing himself to be who he is. Um, but he says with confidence in a clear conscience. Guys, I want to talk briefly about a conscience. Conscience is probably the most important thing if we learn how to operate with a great deal of self-awareness. The conscience, um, I believe, is the Spirit of God that dwells within our hearts. I believe the conscience of a man to be the moral compass within his heart. Um, it It is the roadmap, the direction that helps us to follow God. And see what happens is, when we violate that conscience, when we come to Christ, our conscience becomes clear. And Christ has made our conscience to be white as snow, untainted by sin. He has given us a second chance, a newness of life. The Bible talks about being born again, being like a second chance, a, a newborn baby deer running in the field. That's what the Bible describes the experience when Christ has captivated a human soul. Okay, now from that moment on, the conscience has been completely cleansed, sprinkled with the blood of the Lord Jesus, the Bible teaches us, and all the the shame, the guilt, the burden, the stain of sin is lifted off of your life. Okay, that's the miracle of salvation right there. Okay, but but from that moment on, we have have, uh, the choice and the duty to keep a clear conscience before God and before other peoples. That means admitting when we're wrong, um, living a pure, clean life that is uh, separate from the world. You know, that is part of keeping a clear conscience, guys. That is so important. And when we directly violate our conscience, that is when, that is when we slowly move away from God and we'll find ourselves way out in left field if we, can, if we don't address a guilty conscience. Um, before the Lord. So I just want to make note of that. Whatever you feel inside is probably a reflection of your conscience. So pay close attention to that and do do deals with the Lord. I mean, go before him and ask him to cleanse you constantly. Um, David in Psalm 1, uh, I think it was 119, he said that I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. God's word will provide a protection against sin and its deceitfulness. God's word is the only truth. It is the only solid, eternal truth that exists in our world. So the more you study it, the more you get God's word down in the soil of your heart, the more truth will grow and it will root itself down in your in your soul and you'll have a foundation to stand on.
Guys, that is why I read the word uh, the way I do. And that is why I'm so uh, passionate about God's word is because it has rebuilt thought patterns in my mind. It has revealed to me ways of thinking, stinking thinking. Um, it's helped break down and restructure um, my reactions to certain situations, people's things. Um, it helps me to live a life that glorifies God. It's the standard. It's the ethical code. It is the roadmap. It is the manual for life itself. So please devote yourself to the reading and studying of God's word to show yourself approved. All right, reading on. I'm getting fired up over here. <laughs> Our letters have been straightforward, and there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us, even if you don't understand us now. Then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way we are proud of you. Um, also, make note that you're not going to understand everything right away, guys. It takes time. It takes uh, diligence. It takes pursuing. Learning is not something that's grasped right away. So parts of the Christian life, for me, were weird. It, it's it's different. You know, just because change is 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 difficult at times for us. Um, but allow the the work to take place in your life. Don't resist it, but rather surrender to Christ. Verse 15, since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. First on my way to Macedonia, and again, I returned from Macedonia. Then you could send me on my way to Judah. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, my word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ are amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Verse 21, it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Wow, what a beautiful deposit. Having the Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit of God, living within our hearts and our lives. That is the promised installment that we have eternal life right where we're at right now. We just have to live it out. We just have to finish the race of faith, um, looking to our author, Jesus Christ, powerful. I am not scared to die. The fear of death holds no power in my life. You can be completely set free from the fear of death and know where you're going. If you have surrendered your entire life and you commit your life, your ways unto the Lord and you unfollow him unwavering with a yes, I'm telling you the Lord will do great mighty things in your life and you have no reason to fear. 
Um, verse 23, now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. Ooh, Paul was going to get at him. But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so that you will be full of joy. For it is by your own faith that you stand firm. Guys, that brings chapter one to a close. We're just getting a nice, beautiful introduction here of of Paul, Paul's letter to to Corinth that may be in many ways um, falling apart, but Paul is also going to reestablish some of that unity and and uh, focus on what he can um, preserve and and bring back to life too. So, I wanted to make one more mention of the last sentence in chapter one, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. You cannot stand firm on my faith alone. You must stand firm on your faith. That is the main thing that God is looking for is faith in your life. He is searching for faith. He does. He is not most concerned about your comfort. He is not most concerned about what you want, how you want it, when you want it. God is concerned about your faith because your faith will last for eternity. So I want to just thank you again and again and again for reading and listening to God's word. Let it wash your soul and cleanse you from the evil and the damage this world and sin is doing in your life. So thank you, God bless you, and I look forward to studying God's word even further with you.